Now listening to Rogue History, a quartet uh, of sorts. Uh, yeah, we're we've become a barbershop quartet. Yes, yeah. and then after this, we're actually going to sing this whole episode. Every single <laughs> fact will be brought to you in song. <laughs> no, nah, but yo, seriously, happy birthday, America! And if you're listening to this on July Fourth, I hope you enjoy those burgers, enjoy those dogs, uh, and we're doing a very, very special holiday episode to celebrate yeah. a little bit of July Fourth. Learn a little bit about what it means. Yeah. And, and if you're listening to this outside of the U.S., please have those burgers and dogs too and celebrate with us. Yeah, yeah. yo, are burgers and dogs the official meal? of the u.s like is that yes. like the american yeah. meal yes i feel like burgers and dogs are like classic burgers american. and dogs are like the american poutine yeah they Probably. they were first invented in germany but like come on germany yeah, french lost fries are called french fries but wait a second did we engineer something better than the germans i actually think i think it's after the world war ii it's like we claim oh it. we were like yo give us these hugs. these germans are bad but I let's take their burgers i actually think the history of the hamburger could be a good episode yeah, because it's 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 such an aggregate of different things, much like America. You know what I mean? You have tomatoes that originated in South America. You have cattle that originated elsewhere also because uh, in the Americas, the only herdable animal that is native to the Americas is llamas. So it's like... It, we're not eating llama burgers, right? So yeah, it's like not yeah. everything is imported for some th- from something else. I'm sure lettuce comes from somewhere else too. We are great mustard melting, seeds. We're a great melting pot. That's yeah. What so it's like a, the hamburger is very representative of the Americas, uh, and that's why it is the America's meal of choice. All right, so let's let's get right into some American history, and I guess the best place to start is the Revolutionary War, right? That's the best place to start. Now, I want you guys, because English is my second language, America is not my native country, I'm a, and, and I want to learn some American stuff from you guys. And then as adopters of America, Yaz and I are uh, going to gonna take it in and, and pour in some of our favorite American facts. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk about someone who is kind of like an accredited founding father. Let's call him a founding uncle. <laughs> a stepdad? I do, it, I do it all for Brian's laughter. Uh, he wasn't American by birth, but he was definitely a critical figure in the revolution. I am, of course, talking about Gilbert de Montier, Marquis de Lafayette. Oh, of course. <laughs> Duh. Most American, Most American name in the world. So you've heard of Lafayette. I mean, all over America, you will find streets La- with the Lafayette name. Lafayette Street, Broadway, Lafayette Lafayette, Station. exactly. Ever Lafayette heard of it? High School. Oh, so shit. all of these streets and all of these names are paying homage to a great American who received his citizenship honorarily for his contribution to the American Revolution. So... A little bit of background. Marquis de Lafayette was born in France to a very rich family. After reading literature about the American Revolution, like Common Sense by Thomas Paine and the Rights of Man, he decided to move to America to join arms with his revolutionary brothers because even though he was a rich guy, he believed in the power of the people. Right? What's more American than that? And against direct order by French command, with his own money, he purchased a ship and headed off for the colonies. He disguised himself as a woman to go under British radar until he could meet up with American troops, serving under George Washington, and he, by 19, reached the rank of general. He won battle after battle for America and was known for his deceptive and elusive tactics against the British. 
you guys played Assassin's Creed. Did you ever play the? So I guess there was like a, a version of Assassin's Creed where it goes into the American Revolution. Did yeah, you I play played that, that one. That was a great game. So I guess Lafayette is a character in that. Oh, I by totally the way. forgot that. Yeah. yeah, if anyone's interested in that, I was just like really into jumping down on people and stabbing them. <laughs> I didn't really pay yeah, attention. That was the favorite story. story. Yeah. So uh, after fighting and battle after battle and like rising up in rank and and you know really like proving himself as a great commander, uh, he went back to France to help convince the French King Louis to become allies with the U.S. And, uh, and headed back for America, having convinced King Louis to join the cause. So he got back to America with 6,000 French troops, guns, ships, and gold to continue the fight. So this was a huge turning point in the war because the colonial troops were like stretched super thin. And have you heard of the Battle of York- Yorktown? Do you yeah. know anything about Yorktown? I don't know anything about Yorktown, but I've heard of that. The Pennsylvania. Of so the Battle of Yorktown was like the last big battle of the American Revolu- of the Revolutionary mm-hmm. War. Um, General Cornwallis, he was kind of getting beat by the American troops, so they were going to retreat to sea. But by the time they got to the sea, what was waiting for them there? Six thousand French troops that had been recruited partially by Mr. Lafayette, and that was effectively the end of the war. That got Cornwallis to surrender. Marquis de Lafayette, he then moved back to France, became a powerful figure in the French Revolution, and co-wrote the, declara- the French Declaration of Independence, which eventually got him thrown into prison for years uh, after the revolution, and he was eventually freed by Napoleon when his coup d'etat came. And later in life, after Napoleon fell, after failed attempts to reintroduce the French monarchy, when things normalized, the people of France offered him the position of French dictator and he turned it down. And he's like, you guys obviously don't get what I'm all about. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm a revolutionary. Y'all like, missed, I don't want to be dictator. Yeah, you <laughs> missed the fucking point. So he just, uh, he had like a small role in government, but basically he was like a writer and lived out his days kind of like talking about power to the people and shit like that. So In he, France. In France, yeah. So oh. he, he did his thing in the American Revolution and then he brought all that to France. And he was disappointed by the way the French Revolution went because he thought it would have the dignity of the American Revolution and like it just didn't. It was a much bloodier and much more like yeah, horrific. That's interesting. That's yeah. very interesting. I think like, like a bloody revolution. Most people in the U.S. tend to think that like I suppose like the American Revolution was very much modeled after the French Revolution. Well, it was actually, the other way around. The American one came yeah, first. Yeah. yeah, we had we had help from the French king from the French monarchy to finish. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, seven years later or something like all the monarchy was like gone from France. And then all these like, there's like a big power vacuum. So people, things got really ugly. And Lafayette was just like thrown into prison because whoever came, who tried to restore, it was kind of like this back and forth shift where people were trying to restore the monarchy. So is this the same period also known as the reign of terror? Yeah, that's the beginning of it. Yeah. And then it kind of took a while for it to, to, to normalize, but he was in prison for several years uh, for being part of the revolution. Uh, so he has this great quote uh, that always is uh, warm and fuzzy when you think of the American promise. The happiness of America is intimately connected with the happiness of all mankind. She is destined to become the safe and venerable asylum of virtue, of honesty, of tolerance, and quality, and of peaceful liberty. Humanity has won its battle. Liberty now has a country. Yay, America, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, you know. Freedom. Our uh, our distant founding (laughs) uncle, Marquis de Lafayette. 
Uh, yo, uh, and, and also, just side note, when you said that he hid as a woman, it's totally believable, because when you Google this guy, <laughs> oh, yeah, he, was he a looks feminine. just like Tilda Swinton. Like, it's, really? it's insane. He looks like, his in his biography, when they make his biopic and they get around to it, I think that they should just get Tilda Swinton to play him. Look at that. That looks Holy like a lady. Shit. Dude looks like a lady, bro. He was, he was definitely well, ladying it up. Um... I wonder how much of this is just like they drew this after the fact, knowing that he impersonated nah. as a woman. No, these are iPhone pictures. <laughs> <laughs> these are He's things. the kind of guy who'd want his portrait to Portrait away. mode, right? Yeah. yeah, seriously. Yo, take it in portrait. Yeah. Make sure you catch my Make blush. Make me look like a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Make sure you catch my blood. That is not my good side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that the, the the American Revolution and the the founding of America has all these cool, interesting facts, right? Like, there's all these things that happen around it. Like, for example, we're celebrating on July 4th, but July 4th is wasn't even when the document was first submitted, right? So the document, the Declaration of Independence is committed on July, is submitted on July 1st to the mm-hmm. Second Continental Congress, right? Boom, they submit this document. They don't agree to it at first. Oh. When they first receive it, mm-hmm. then they voted on it the following day and they accepted a, a new draft uh, by Thomas Jefferson. And then they spent the next two days reviewing that draft, which lands on July 4th being the day when it was actually submitted. Mm-hmm. But nobody actually signed on July 4th. They uh, weren't all there. Yeah, they, right. exactly. So it's yeah. like it took like they didn't begin signing until like August of, of that year. So it's weird that we celebrate July 4th and not like August 2nd when like the signatures were collected. And um, not everybody didn't even sign. And yeah. it's just, there's all these like little tidbits that like you find out about it. Like, for example, there there's a copy that's in Washington, right? Uh, I thought that that was it. I thought that it was just that copy. It's not. It's not. There's oh. a but. There's a bunch. There's multiple copies of the declaration because everyone needed a copy to, mm-hmm. to to read. <laughs> and, that's, that's some bullshit right there. Yeah. Man. Like, what is it? Yo. In fact, you know what's not some bullshit? Some fucking dude bought a painting at like a flea market for right. like four dollars. Buys this painting, and I guess he was trying to reframe it. And when he t- removes the back of the frame, there's a fucking original copy of the Declaration no of way. Independence behind the frame that he bought at this flea market, and he ended up uh, auctioning it off for like eight point one million. Good so for like, him. So I'm that's glad, that's some American that spirit. This is it a national treasure? It's that's <laughs> some. It's real life nah, national treasure green, shit, bro. bro. That's you pick green. some shit up at, at a fucking flea market and you turn four dollars into eight million, baby. He it's got the American an original way. copy. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. It's hard and to it had been perfectly preserved. It, this happened in like 86, 1986. What? I want to hear the story of the person who like put that behind the painting. I wonder right? how many that copies story. there are. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it feels like the total number of copies is generally unknown because if, if they're still popping up in like paintings as recently as 1986, you know what I mean? Like where people are just finding this new one. Well, I'd imagine there are at least like a copy for each colony and then a copy for the king george as well right what? well i mean there might be a ton Maybe. of copies yeah who knows oh, no, there one? definitely was one sent to king george right that, that i well, know for sure there is was that it, right was so you'd imagine like a, at least that's the real copy right. to me like yeah. that's the one where True. it's like a middle finger <laughs> <laughs> to, to <laughs> yeah, george, and the thing right? is that yeah. they were spreading it around they just, like, because it with dick pics and stuff they wiped their ass with that one when that that's the interesting part is that they had to spread the word that the Declaration of Independence was happening, and that's like one another badass George Washington moment is that he was in New York 
when the when it was agreed upon that this was the Declaration of Independence. And so he stood at City Hall and just read it out loud to like the people that were there. And it incited a bunch of riots because right. the British were still occupying um, Manhattan. The, the, the Manhattan border. Yeah. So it caused a bunch of riots with the people that of New York uh, revolting against them. And there was a, a, a statue of George III that they actually tore down yeah. and eventually melted for musket balls. <laughs> So. Yo, that's the best. Like, if you take someone's statue and turn it into weapons, that's like super symbolic. Yeah, you take you t- tear down someone's statue, <laughs> turn it kill into weapons, British and English then shoot it at them. <laughs> yeah, with their own statue. That's a huge middle finger right there. That's, yeah, one epic middle finger. So, what's what's your take on America? Give give us All give right. us two reasons why you're happy to be in America. Yes. Oh my God, <laughs> where do I start? <laughs> you start um, with number one. All right, so. For me, like the the economics behind America is one of the reasons why I call it like you know liberty and all that stuff. Because if like I'm a big fan of capitalism, and I'm a big fan of libertarianism, and for me that's like the cornerstone of what America is, um, symbolically. In terms of the American Revolution, what I found really interesting historically was like there's always these talks about the war and about like strategies being fought by different people and stuff. What I was always interested in was like the intelligence community back in American Revolution. There was um, a famous um, spy ring in the American Re- Revolution called the Culper Spy Ring. The Culper Spy Ring was started as a necessity for George Washington to collect info- information on British troops. Um, so the spy ring happened, so in 1776, the British troops, um, what did they do? They occupied and took over New York City. and. George Washington had no intelligence on what's going on inside the city. And, and it was like a very strategic city, right? So two years later, um, one, of his, um, one of the members of his army, a man called Benjamin Talmadge, he started a spy ring called the Copper Spy Ring. He started it with his best friend that he grew up with in, you know, as a kid in a, in a place called Setauket, Long Island. And... Over there, his other friend was a man called Abraham Woodhull, who was a farmer, and he was situated in Long Island where there was British groups as well, and there was another guy called Caleb Brewster. So Benjamin Thomas would send instructions with Caleb. Caleb would sail on a whaleboat, hiding behind enemy lines and sneaking inside into Long Island. And he would wait for Abraham Woodhull to come out, and Abraham Woodhull would like give him intelligence. He would sail back on his boat, whaleboat, past New York across the channel and then go back in between like the area that Washington was stationed in was between Pennsylvania and New Jersey in that area so the code name given to Abraham Woodhall was uh, Samuel Culper Jr. and then later on they recruited another man called um, Robert Townsend, Townsend inside New York Robert Townsend had a, a tavern that he owned and inside it, a lot of British troops would hang out, and they would get drunk, and they would spill a lot of secrets while they're drunk. And what he would do is he would um, buy advertisement in the newspaper where he would post a coded letter, like, hey, I'm interested in buying this and that. And that would send a signal to Washington Army about how many number of troops. So like, oh, I'm interested in buying this much, blah, blah, blah. And that would give them a code about how many troops there were and stuff. 
So it's a very interesting spying. And the reason for that is because it was the most effective intelligence agency unofficially within the American Revolution, better than all the other American Revolution spies and the British Revolution spies. Can't have a good war without some good spies. Dude, I'm like, I'm very fascinated with espionage and like, you know, spy rings and stuff. And so, and they had a, like a woman as part of their spy ring called mm-hmm. a, a woman called Anna Strong. She was the neighbor of Abraham Woodhall in Setauket. Um, so in order for him to know that Caleb Brewster sailed here and he's waiting for him to get gather intelligence from him, uh, Anna Strong would put her laundry on, on a rope and on a specific way to signal where, what, where Caleb Brewster is. So he would like, he would see her laundry. He'd like, okay, Caleb is in town. He'd go to the secret spot, meet up with Caleb, Caleb, yo, what's going on in New York? And he'd tell him, all right, this is the intelligence I have on New York. There's this many people, blah, blah, blah. So the point of all this is, here's why they're instrumental. They're the reason why we found out that Benedict Arnold was a traitor. They're the, they, they found that out because... They should have known just from his name. He's a Benedict Arnold. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah. So Dummies. they knew that, like, there was a major, major Jean, Jean Andre, who was, like, the intelligence agent for the British Revolution, like, British forces. Um, he was trying to recruit uh, Benedict Arnold. Benedict Arnold was in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia, I believe, at that time. He was injured. He came back from the war. He was pissed off because he's not getting his pay. But, like, the Continental Army was really broke. So no, no one was going to pay, fucking pay him, right? So they gathered intelligence that Jean Andre is recruiting Benedict Arnold. And then later on, when they found out it was Benedict Arnold, they, he got away with it. But they managed to capture... John Andre, who was like the British intelligence agent, and they George Washington hung him. Damn, I think George Washington used to hang dudes. I mean, he sentenced him to, because Everyone he's like he like you hang them as a spy. He's spying on your army. You can hang him legally. Oh wow! I mean, like Jack, they still do that shit. Yeah. If they, if they catch a spy, they can hang you. I mean, m- maybe they'll use a gun instead. But yeah, yeah put but you to death. That's pretty dope. Yeah, I, I like spy rings too. I took a quick look at this. So there's another guy named who's in the Culper ring named James Armistead, who is a black gentleman who was posing as a as an escaped slave who was loyal to the British. Uh, and he was actually recruited by Marquis de Lafayette. So these oh, stories cool. kind of tie together a little bit. That's oh. interesting. I never heard it. Is this so this is from like Washington's spies that yes, show watch that show i love that show i've heard of it but i never actually watched it i mean like that's why that's how i found out about the culper spy ring uh, like a long time ago and i just watched it and it was such a nice show because it's like very historical but very entertaining at the same time that's dope so like i think like if you like culper spy ring like they don't get a lot of attention they're like call them if you will unsung heroes yeah because without them you know, we wouldn't have all all the intelligence. Like the intel. What was that final battle you said? Yorktown. Yorktown. The, I I'm pretty sure they were in, instrumental in one of those things. You I'm know, sure, like yeah. they're like the birth of the CIA, yo. <laughs> and they use cipher. Well, they they weren't the birth of the CIA. Just, uh, just Whoa, right? That up. I mean, they, like they yeah, were, yeah, yeah, but they're yeah, like birth, the, the CIA like, is like you know what I'm saying those are all the Nazis. No, no. But in terms but of like were, American yeah, espionage, yeah, and yeah and like, Project Paperclip. They yeah. weren't called the Central Intelligence Agency. They were called the Continental Intelligence. What I love about all these is like how they had to resort to like very ungentlemanly tactics to win this war, like guerrilla fighting and like just they like Washington was like, yo, we're not just going to like beat them with like a fair gentleman'sly battle. Like mm. we're going to have to hide in some trees. Yeah. We're going to have to get some espionage going. Yeah. I mean, to build on top of that, pretty. even British, the British had a very dirty war because they employed what was called the Queen's Rangers. And they were like, it's like guerrilla warfare. Whoa. 
the gorilla or the queen. It sounds nice. It sounds <laughs> nice, but like think about it this way: torture, scalping, um, like it's like unethical ways. They don't unconventional wars. That kind of you know. So what you got, Brian? Well, to hop off of Yaz's uh, subject of espionage, ciphers, things like that, I'm gonna talk about the first vice president and the second president, John Adams, and his wife, Abigail Adams. Um, and the reason why this is kind of relevant to Yaz's point earlier about um, ciphers and like espionage and all that is because Abigail Adams was not formally educated, but she taught herself um, politics. Uh, she read up on a bunch of books, things like that, which is very uncommon during that time, right? Yeah. Um, but interestingly, she also taught herself ciphers and codes. Um, she didn't really use it much, like, you know, in day to day, but uh, nonetheless, she was known for that, which is pretty interesting. I want to bring up John Adams because he is one of the founding fathers, but right. Abigail Adams often does not get enough credit. Honestly, I've never heard her name until right now. Abigail Adams. Such a lovely name. Yeah, Abigail. she's she's considered Abigail. one of the founders uh, of the United States of so America. A a founding she's aunt. a founding mother. A founding mother. Wow. Or founding aunt. Yeah. Founding mama. No, you're right. Yeah. Founding mother. Otto Adams was a founding father, so she's a founding mother. Definitely. There we right. go. Yeah. Done. And Adams credit is like too. OG Committee of Five. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Father. So to talk about the American Revolution, we often bring up war. George Washington, many fine fine military accomplishments, things like that. Boston Tea Party, you know, revolt. Uh, but uh, diplomacy was really where, you know, we we achieved the true separation from Great Britain, right? And yeah, um, and then gave him the middle finger and was like, "Yo, here's the Declaration of Independence." Yeah, like people, uh, delegation is really the only true path for like separation it when it comes to that kind and of that's, stuff. And that's something we don't we don't glorify enough. You know, uh, yeah. we don't we don't like we don't give these guys the credit where it's due. Right, they're the ones who really achieve peace. It's not missiles. It's not guns. That certainly helps, um, but at the end of the day, it's the guys who negotiate, draft, drafts legislation, um, and really finalizes, creates the outline, the framework, with which two countries, two nation states, two groups of people that are probably different culturally, language, um, can achieve peace and exist in harmony. Right. So Jan, John Adams is the guy who really spearheaded all of this, um, and another really another person who's not given enough credit is Abigail Adams, his wife. She is uh, obviously uh, as a result of being his wife, the first uh, second lady and the second first lady. Kind of wrap <laughs> wrap your head around that one. What? Yeah. So um, something that's unknown about her is that she was actually. John Adams's closest and probably a most important advisor. Mm -hmm. So she was the one who really uh, was the person for John Adams to talk to and to like sort of get a better idea of how to govern, how to um, draft legislation, things right. like that. You already know how that household was. He would come home after a long day and she's like, oh. y'all gonna keep paying tax to those Britons? <laughs> y'all gonna keep paying those British people those tax money? Well, I, All right, I, you go ahead, John. I'll, I'll throw one more piece in the mix here. Like, yeah. Consider what it would be like for John Adams to go in front of uh, the king when he was the representative from where the British were most aggressive. Massachusetts. Boston. Massachusetts, Boston. Yes, yeah. that's correct. So he actually lived in a farm 
outside of some of these battles. Like his own mm-hmm. kids could have been wiped out in some yep. of these battles. So it took a lot for someone like that to be diplomatic and like go and talk and like, you know, not just be like, yo, fuck you. You guys, yeah. you know, put my kids at risk. And right. The, right. And like he also had to, as was custom, like basically bow his head down whenever he spoke to the king. He like yeah. basically had to like put aside his own personal pride. anger, pride, yeah. whatever he was feeling. And place his countrymen above him when they weren't even really a country yet you know right like it was still just an idea an idea yeah well i guess this is what we learn about america today in this bonus episode as we eat our burgers and dogs and yeah. drink our coke number one america seems to be the country of liberty mm-hmm. it is it is the manifestation of a dream that demanded liberty for all and continues to do so in a lot of ways yeah. um it's inch, also inch by inch yeah an inch at a time man yeah and it's also it's also a beautiful history of espionage and mystery documents and things disappearing and popping up and a, a bunch of wrong dates everywhere because it is a makeshift country that is relative to the rest of the world brand spanking new. And with General Lafayette, immigrants taking Americans' jobs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed. It should the story be a hardworking American as a general. Man, these French and people. It's, and it's also something that it's 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 a country that. It's a place that became a country, most importantly, through delegation, through peaceful communication, yes. through uh, just being smart about yeah. it. And you know going what I mean? forward, and that's where we should be. We should be going towards, too. You know? like, yeah, these are the heroes that we need to celebrate yeah. is the delegators. So shout out to, to John Adams for casting a huge shadow yeah. over his son. Mr. Lafayette. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, can I give you one more John Adams? I forgot Go about for this, it. but... This is going to maybe trigger Edgar. So John Adams and Thomas Jefferson died on the same day. Yeah. I, know, I could see your eyes yeah, with Thomas, hey, Je- Thomas Yo, Jefferson. Yo, you fucking hate Thomas <laughs> Jefferson. Hey, Thomas Jefferson. And guess when they died? So they died on the same day, 1826, July 4th. What? Wow. Two of the signers of the Declaration of Independence died Conspiracy. on July 4th uh, in 1826. And John Adams lived to the uh, old age of 90. Damn. How old was Thomas Jefferson? Hopefully, age, yeah. Hopefully, like around Fucking there. Lovers, I tell you. Can yeah. you tell me why you hate Thomas Jefferson? Thomas Jefferson? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, it's, it's just because he's like super outwardly racist, and I know uh, that all those people at those time they everyone had slaves, right. sure. So it's like you kind of have to adjust your moral compass when right. you're talking about these people because yes, they were doing a lot of great things, but at the same time they were doing things that his like in retrospect we would consider just flat out evil, right? right. Now the the thing is that Thomas Jefferson is the only one that put his name on it. You know what I mean? So like when Haiti when Haiti uh, fought for their independence from France. Uh, they became the first black nation on this side of the earth. And then um, Thomas Jefferson was the president at the time, and he, he instated an uh, embargo mm-hmm. on, the, on the Haitian country. Once they declared themselves a country, he said that no one should trade with them or um, oh. like fuel their economy because if a nation of savages becomes prominent, then all the savages think that they can have their own nations so it was like on paper like he sent the late a letter to britain he sent the letter to all the european countries to say that we need to make sure that this fails and then it it did it's it's like the first instance that i not the first instance but the first instance that i found of like economic warfare where it was like yo you know what we sent troops in there and we supported the troops in there and they fucked us up so the only way to do is to give them the false victory on the battlefield 
and then in the back end just kill them economically right. and then out. yeah and that country's never been able to prosper ever right. so economic sanctions have been going on for a long yeah economic like dude they were paying france until like the 1950s oh, yeah, or 1960s 70s like they were still paying reparations what? to people that enslaved them so it's uh, it's kind of a twisted thing but it, it was the beginning of that economic warfare and like thomas jefferson was very outwardly about they cannot succeed because they're black. Mm -hmm. And if these black people succeed, then other black people feel like they can also succeed. And right. we can't have that. And you just fought for your own independence. And then you, like, it's, we're talking about 1804. You right. know, what I mean? it's a couple years later. So it's like just the hypocrisy. It's just, he's just an yeah, evil, evil it's man. It's pretty hypocritical. Yeah, plus yeah. He, was, he was hooking up with a black chick. Yeah, he was so raping having, a couple of black chicks. So, <laughs> one, one more thing that's interesting. So to provide, like you said, context is really important when looking at people like this, but I'll, I'll give you some context. So, you know, you could say like, you know, Jefferson was a Virginian. He was born he, into slave ownership. Like you could you can play that fiddle as much as you want. But I'll tell you someone else who was George Washington, also right. a Virginian, also born into owning a plantation of slaves. When George Washington died, he freed all his slaves in his will. Right. Jefferson did not. Hell no. So, context. Piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he wrote a nice declaration. I'll give him that. But yeah. yeah. Now, what we could part of it. Now, now what we could all say about these guys, though, and I think that I wholeheartedly believe our next popcon, um, we can all say that they were part of the uh, Freemasons. Oh, Jesus! It's a conspiracy. Now, first of all, I need to understand what does Masonic mean? What does Masonic mean? Mason, <laughs> like a Mason, Mason yeah, it's a Freemason, yeah. No, but oh, a Mason okay. is a guy who like so adds rock, you know, like bricklaying, but like with rocks. Yeah, a build. Yeah. That's a stonemason. Like a stonemason. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So with the Freemasons, right? I don't know how they're different than the Illuminati. They're, they're like uh, the difference between them and the Illuminati, like on paper, whatever you would want to define the Illuminati. Like as technicality, yeah. the Illuminati is a secret society, but they're a society with secrets. Oh shit! <laughs> I like how you phrase that. That's good copy. That's good copy. Yeah, because like they're an open society. You can know. You can technically join the Freemason, but yeah, like Illuminati, can. like I guess you need an invite. It's like a Hogwarts. You know so. what's really fascinating? If you guys actually go on like Twentieth Street or something like that, Twentieth and like Sixth Ave. Around there, you'll find a building with actually the Freemason yeah. insignia it's, on top. Yeah, dude, it's like they, they have a building they, there, and they have a lot of Masonic temples. Yeah, 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 too, yeah dude, yeah. like they have one in Montreal. They have everywhere lodges. It's, it's like it's so, common. So, what was yeah. their involvement in the creation of America? Because Would, they have their symbols everywhere. So it's not that they were in. Uh, sorry. So it's not that they were involved. Like it's not like the Freemasons as a whole entity was involved in the creation of america is just that they had members who were founding fathers mm -hmm. who were still outspoken like pro freemasons so like a good example and like one of my favorite people in the world um was ben franklin frank franklin was like leonardo da vinci of the american revolution era right um a polymath and engineer and inventor i guess he was an artist i don't know if he painted or some shit but um so he had a paper publication before he became an initiate in the Freemason where he would not ridicule, but he would make jokes about the Freemasons like, ah, these Freemasons and their lodges and blah, blah, blah. He was all a joke, harmless joke. But 
he said later on it was only as a way to for them to get you know get you know get attention you know see who he is and stuff and notably after he he was initiated into the freemason fraternity he stopped talking about them in a joking manner in fact he started publishing more information about the freemason not like private information but supportive a positive information about the freemason and most of the texts that we know about the freemasons come from ben franklin and stuff and um even after what do you call it after the, um his influences were like everywhere he was like always active in the freemasonry and stuff after the war i think he traveled abroad to europe he went to the freemasonry lodge in um london he actually went to the one in paris he oversaw the initiation of voltaire into the freemasonry group and stuff so it's like it's more that the Freemasons were like people who were founding fathers were happened to be members of the Freemason, but like I'm not sure if like it's fair to say that the Freemasons were involved in their founding fathers stuff, like in vice versa. So I got two things. Number one, why are they? Why is their symbol all over our um, fiat? All right, so the dollar bill. Um, well, uh, from my understanding, fee, there yes. was like this sort of like what. Oh, like uh, I was just making a joke about the other way we said fiat fee oh. over our fee. <laughs> uh, from let, my understanding, there's <laughs> something of like a open competition of sorts to like create this symbol for the dollar. Okay, and it just so happened that this group um, ended up putting this. They like, could have done a lot worse. I mean, like I know there's a lot of conspiracies around the dollar, but like that's a pretty dope. There's some yeah. pretty awesome symbolism going on there. But it, was, yeah. but it was by President Roosevelt. It was not during the American Revolution era. Oh. It was, right. uh, it was, but it was mm. by a free, he was a Freemason at the time. Right. Roosevelt President was? Roosevelt, right. Oh, and he sure. was, um, he liked the idea. But it was an open competition, uh, competition of sorts, right? It was like a, it's an a, open entry and right. like they picked the but, best one. Right. But he was a president at the time and he mm. really loved the all-seeing eye. You know, the, like yeah. the pyramid with the eye on top. And he's like, oh my God, this is the all-seeing eye, the eye of God, you know? And then he went up to the secretary of treasury and he said, you know what, man? you think Christians would have a problem with like an all-seeing eye as a symbol of God's eye? He's like, no, they would love that shit. What are you talking about? He's like, yo, we should put that on a dollar bill and then he could credit it on. Uh, to, to add to that, or rather to clarify something, Freemasonry does not really have any ties really to Christianity specifically. No, it's not. Not about Christianity. No, no, but, here's not, how, but what I'm right. saying is... Well, oh, yeah, I mean, I just wanted he, to he, clarify yeah, he, that point. He, he framed it in a way that would not offend the Christians of America. Mm. And like the secretary was like, nah, man, they're cool with that shit. And stuff. Yeah. But Freemasonry, you don't have to be a Christian per se, but you right. do have to believe in a supreme being. Right, exactly. So like if you believe in a supreme being, whatever he is to you, you're technically you're eligible to be a Freemason, and you got to be a man, and you got to pay five hundred dollars a month a year. Uh, the second thing I have is that I read I read uh, uh, Dan Brown's book oh, yeah. about uh, Freemasonry, yeah, about DC. Mm, I love that book, but I'm like I, I forgot get, what it was called. That one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it, is it, it was like the lost symbol, the lost oh, symbol, okay. the lost symbol. Yeah, and he was talking about how like the DC uh, city design is like a giant mason. Yeah. Symbol, really, like the way the, the I mean, city, the way the streets yeah. are designed in Washington D.C. is so that it creates a giant Masonic symbol. Right. I mean, look I at the national. Look at the yeah, national. Man, that's why I'm like, yo, the, these things can't all be coincidence. Like, I oh, mean, we just randomly chose right. this I mean, symbol. Look we at the just national randomly mall. designed this yeah. city to be this. Yeah, the National Mall is a beautifully designed 
like structure it was all like masonic and stuff it was inspired by rome and stuff yeah so it's like basically all the all the federal buildings are the points that they use to like draw this masonic symbol yeah. and at the heart of, of like it the compass is, yeah of the compass yeah and if i the remember if i remember at the heart of it was like george washington monument right? yeah it also yeah. looks like there's a pentagram somewhere you always can find yeah, a Yeah, look at that shit. That's some satanic shit, bro. Yeah. Yo, Yo. Masonic sounds evil. Like, I know it's yeah. like, it doesn't mean yeah. that, but that's when I hear like, like, you know, Masonic. Like, it sounds like demonic. And yeah. So do you think that it's like, so do you think that they, they made this country or no? Like, do yeah. you think that they were like, that this is like the secret organization of Even secret if it was indirect. Yeah, I, like, exactly. It, yeah. I don't think it's like something... It was not like a Direct, yeah. tens of years in the works kind of thing. Like, yeah. oh, we have this grand master plan to like create this new country, a new world order thing. But definitely the principles and like the the virtues or whatever uh, that they preach within the group, yeah. I think that definitely influenced the founding fathers. Yeah. yeah. And that definitely guided. I think that I, I formed. Yeah, like I think I'm gonna go with actual conspiracy on this one and, oh, yeah. and the reason Same. why i'm gonna do that is because i think that it takes a organization to like make a country and and organize a war it does. And, and create all plot. the delegations yeah. like it any, rev any revolution takes like some kind <laughs> right. of secret right. plot. So, so those plot that like that plot cannot be made up right. of 50 independent thinkers even right. though that's what's promoted yeah. like these 50 people have to have a hive mind like they have to be able to get into a zone where they're all working towards the same goal and there needs to be strategy right strategy all of that and they have to have the same morals the yeah. same ideals right. the same thing that they're reaching for yeah. so maybe the group that got it right was just the freemasons those guys that's why the majority of them were freemasons right and that's by coincidence. Like, if it wouldn't have been them, it would have been a separate group right, of people right, right. from a separate, I, like, uh, brotherhood or whatever the fuck you call like those. the reptilians. Like, there yeah, there the might even have been, reptilians. like, multiple <laughs> conspiracies kind of working together. So there's this other group called the Sons of Liberty. Have you ever yeah. heard of them? So that was, like, what kind of sparked the revolution. Like, they kind of created a lot of the chaos that led to the British, like, becoming more aggressive. And I wouldn't be surprised if... A bunch of these Sons of Liberty were also Freemasons. Were they the guys well. who did who like? Uh, they had like secret meetings and taverns. The Boston Tea Party. Yeah, that, that's okay. them. Yeah, they're so cool. They, they're cool in my books. They were like legit, like aggravators. Sounds like they were like the modern Trouble day makers. Antifa or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, there was something like that. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as Antifa. They actually were, you know, they got a lot more stuff gone going. You know, well. I mean, they I took too they took property it. and dumped it into the sea. That's like pretty petty. I, yeah. I mean, it, it, it through the lens of history, it's like very noble because the outcome. But like, if you saw someone like going to a ship now or going to a company and like just dumping products and yeah. like destroying shit and being wasteful, you might be like, oh well, that's not good behavior. Yeah. So yeah, they were like troublemakers. That was their whole thing. They were definitely troublemakers. I don't know about Antifa direct correlation, yeah. but if you yeah. were around at the time and you were kind of like one of those like law and order types. Mm. You'd be like, yo, Sons of Liberty are bad apples. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I so wonder you, what so it tasted like. like. Conspiracy? Like, Freemasons? Oh, no. For in terms of like. popular shit to say. It's just like popular, in my opinion. I actually think it'd be great if like all of our presidents now were like Freemasons. It sounds like they're, they're kind of nice people. <laughs> they have like pretty decent moral values. Yeah. Intelligent. On paper. Yeah. Intelligent at bare minimum. You know, or at least not stupid yeah but you can you can you know you can openly say that you're a freemason there's no rule that says you can't say that you're a freemason it's oh i'm sure no it's not a secret it's just like just don't, yeah. just don't tell people what you what happened at the meeting is all that's why it's a society with secrets not a secret society <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give them a yes just because they're 
their branding and design is fantastic. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to give it to them they, just for like they got a great PR. Yeah, they have great. Their branding right. guidelines are are on point. Yeah. At least Hamilton at least was right. a, had to be a, a Freemason thing, right? He put that shit all over the money. Yeah. Um, so in my perspective is like because I'm part of it, I can't legally say that. It's <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of uh, Rogue History. Uh, now you have all the time in the world to get back to back to your burgers and dogs, or if yep. you're Alex, to your uh, vegan meals or whatever. I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> all right.